<laughs> oh, she wanted me to tell you that she's five and a half now. We just celebrated a half birthday. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> half birthdays? I stopped counting my birthdays after 21. <laughs> now I just refuse to acknowledge that I have one. <laughs> just say you're somewhere between 21 and 45. Dead. <laughs> Leave it at that. <laughs> That's something I'm always curious about, like when, you know, if I actually left my house at all, like, and people saw me on the street, is like, what what age would people guess? Because <laughs> I have no concept of it anymore. Because you're, you're essentially a hermit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I very rarely have to leave my house. Don't go anywhere for work. When I do go for groceries, it's just, you know, it's a pickup now. Now that that's a thing, I don't have to go inside anymore. So. <laughs> I just hold up my phone so I can show them the code through the crack at the top of my tinted window so nobody can see me. <laughs> just this hand sort of slithers out with the phone. And they're just like, oh. Let me put this in the trunk and then walk away as quickly as possible. <laughs> Two best of friends. Oh, wait, keep your shirt on. It's just a typo. Stop. You are freaking ridiculous. Who think... They know football. The Chiefs, or the Colts, or, wow, the Chargers. There we go. Stop thinking, just read. Bring you unprecedented access to the NFL world. Mike White is now on my fantasy roster and maybe starting over Russell Wilson. I spent $25 to get Jacoby Brissett. Because here, it's real football by real fans. Like a disturbance in the force as a flip pink bird <laughs> suddenly cried out and was silent. <laughs> The 2M Football Show starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the latest episode of the 2M Football Show. Mike and Matt. That was the least energetic, like, (laughs) ever. And this is during the day. (laughs) The day is when I'm most tired. Nighttime is when I get a random burst of energy. I'm going to watch a movie at 10 o'clock at night. Oh, I'm working, so I think. That's true. You are. Your hours are flipped anyway. So you're the one who should be tired right now. Oh, there's coffee in this cup, and I may disappear during commercials to refill that. What cup is that? Oh, it's the 2M cup because <laughs> it's Clinkies. <laughs> Jesus, we are so stupid. So, yeah. You'll What's on today's docket? All right, today's document. Today's 20-page docket slash document. Oh, my God. You guys you guys don't believe me. It's literally 20 freaking pages. I didn't believe it either until I saw it. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, today's show is the beginning of our, the coffee. our team breakdowns for 2023. We're starting in the AFC South uh, for this episode. And since, as you can see, we are on video, too, I'm very excited to see Matt's video editing magic. Well, easy um, there. Don't give don't give him too much to hope for. Jeez, you get to, you get to share in the title of editor now. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, that's so we're going to talk about AFC South since we missed you last week. Didn't get to preview the Hall of Fame game. We'll do a we'll recap it, and that's why this is twenty pages. Ten of them are purely based on the Hall of Fame game. <laughs> if you have ten pages of notes on the Hall of Fame game, we have a problem. <laughs> that's a joke. Uh, a little bit of off-season news of just stuff that's happened, or preseason news, I should say. We are officially preseason now. Uh, some news items that have happened since we last spoke uh, that I want to briefly 
very briefly cover before we dive in to the previews just because some of them are so fun i feel like we should talk about them even though they're not even news anymore <laughs> so let's get into that really quick before we do the previews uh matt maybe you saw this this was like over a week ago now but sean payton <laughs> new broncos head coach comes the out drama and the beef has started yeah, kind of out of nowhere, this is Broncos-Jets beef happening now. Uh, Sean Payton in this interview called the Broncos 2022 coaching staff the worst in NFL history. Uh, and he went on to say that the only winning the Jets will do this year is in the media <laughs> in the offseason. <laughs> pretty, I mean, pretty crazy stuff. Um, Payton's got a pair on him, but man, like... Just going in on out of nowhere. Like there was no like I could see him criticizing the coaching staff for the way the Broncos play last year. Like uh-huh. get that. But then to just go after the Jets. But like there's this weird sh- like Sean Payton, uh Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, like yeah. there's beef there and I don't even know where it because this was nothing like this in Green Bay. Right. Yeah. Like there wasn't no weird Saints Green Bay. <laughs> beef going on and then all of a sudden like and then this uh, you know a bunch of other people weighed in including rogers himself <laughs> calling sean Payton insecure and saying he needs to keep my coach's name out of his mouth so uh like you said out of nowhere there's now a rivalry here and uh lo and behold they do play each other in week five jets broncos <laughs> put it on the calendar now top of the watchability index <laughs> can't can't wait you're going to be a fist fight between a coach and a player just on the middle. <laughs> a coach and a bunch of players, I think. Because <laughs> Billy Turner was a, is another former Bronco and Packer and current Jet who also responded calling, calling Peyton a bum. <laughs> hashtag childish. Hashtag bounty gate. <laughs> well, bounty gate. That, well, okay. We don't yeah, have, week, we week don't five, we're going to add. Like, who would have thought that Broncos and Jets would be on, on a calendar for us? Like, three weeks ago, never would have pegged that as even a game. Like, all right, that's another football game. Uh-huh, but now yeah. it's like, oh, what now we got getting, here going on here? Now it's getting flexed to prime time, probably. <laughs> <laughs> the league's like, this is a moneymaker. We're going to circle this. Uh, really, that's the only thing I wanted to talk about. We could skip. We could skip the rest of this offseason news. Other than apparently all the players are dropping with injuries already. Ah, uh, yeah, the injuries are starting. Actually, I guess we should talk about Joe Burrow with a calf strain. A little scary. And um, I, I think he's expected back week one, but of course he'll miss the rest of the preseason and stuff. But those types of injuries too, hamstrings, calves, those type of Achilles stuff, like mm-hmm. they can linger through the season. So it's absolutely something to keep an eye on. Yeah. This could be a case of just, you know, the the training camp and preseason-ish sort of tightness in all of their muscles. You know, it's been a whole off season since a lot of these guys, even if they are training, they're not training the same way they play as they would during right. these camps. Speed, so yeah. it's, it's scary, <clears throat> but you know, those types of injuries are something that we're going to want to watch because Burrow is a mobility quarterback. So if all of a sudden you got to limit your mobility, it's going to force them into different situations. And then, uh, Broncos wide receiver Tim Patrick, this is so sad. The second year in a row, almost a year to the day after he tore his ACL last summer, he tears his Achilles now and will miss again the entire season. Um, Broncos receivers in general have been dropping like flies this offseason. 
<clears throat> and then Jalen Ramsey, who the Dolphins traded for this offseason, uh, he was carted off the field and is having meniscus repair surgery and will be out until roughly December. So some big names already on the on the injury sheet. Uh, and then another guy who will be missing games through a suspension is Alvin Kamara, the Saints running back, uh, will be suspended three games for his role in a Vegas bar fight. Uh, I mean, if you're going to get suspended, at least, you know. I mean, went down swinging, right? Um, and then the Bears signed Yannick Ngakwe to a one-year deal. This is one of those random favorites of the show, or at least of mine. <laughs> Pretty good pass. Yeah, a, a solid pass rusher, and he's just been bouncing. Like, nobody wants to commit to this guy, and I don't understand. But yeah, clearly yeah. there's something going on that we're not aware of. Yeah, I mean, not the best in run defense, but he's he puts up at least eight sacks every year, no matter which team he's on. <laughs> and he's been on a, a handful now. Too but, many. Uh, this year, the Bears, so good for him. And, uh, yeah, just joking about the Hall of Fame game recap. <laughs> Let's get into our divisional breakdowns with the AFC South. <gasps> yes. I, forgot I wonder about, what we're going to be starting with. I forgot about these drawings. <laughs> Casey can't tell so, what it is. It's for those of you who don't know, Mike is an amazing father to two wonderful kids. And I don't know if it was, like... Mike's effort to get the kids involved more into football, but he decided that it was time to make some drawings. And to honor those drawings, as we proceed through the teams, they will appear as my backdrop. Oh my God. For those of you who can't tell, this is not some weird fish that comes from the abyss of like the Mariana's Trench <laughs> or where the Titan Submersible now rests. This is, in fact, a Jacksonville Jaguar. Actually, this is really good how you've got that as your background. You can see the real one right above me. So, and I drew these. Mike yeah. has the copyright strike. I have the nobody's going to know what it is. So we're totally in the clear background. And I just wanted on the record that I was not looking. I drew these purely from memory. <laughs> this wasn't me trying to copy it while looking Did at it. <laughs> didn't the NFL players do something like this? Weren't they, they like, like challenged to like draw other teams' logos from memory? And that made me feel better about some of mine, to be honest. <laughs> it's like, okay. Like, these <laughs> are professional athletes, and they'll like draw – Draw the Texans like stag, and they're like, okay, and you're like, it's oh, a fish. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that, Matt. Because lest you think this was my three-year-old's drawings, no, these are me <laughs> from memory. Anyway, and yes, our first team, the division winners from last year are the Jacksonville Jaguars. They were nine and eight, um, first place in the AFC South, and they were coming into or coming out of a complete debacle of a season where Trevor Lawrence was a rookie. They had Urban Meyer for most of the season as their head coach. And a new head coach, Doug Peterson, got this thing turned around in a hurry. They ended on a five-game win streak to win the division. They, um, In terms of the stats, the numbers, their offense was 10th with 357 yards per game and 24 points per game. Defense things were a little shakier. They were the 24th ranked defense, 28th against the pass, and allowed the 24th most points with 20.6 allowed. So in the nutshell, pretty good offense, pretty bad defense. But in the playoffs, they had that wild card game against the Chargers where Trevor Lawrence had a nightmare of a first half with four interceptions. The team was down 27 to 7 at the half. 
Um, um, just unbelievable turnaround in the second half of that game. Three passing touchdowns and a game-winning field goal as time expired to get the win over the Chargers. Thirty-one. Kind of shows you why they drafted him, and it just shows to the coaching of <laughs> Doug Peterson because there's no way under Urban Meyer this team would have ever come back from a deficit like that. But Peterson's got the experience under his belt too. Like right. he's yeah. been around the league, he's been in these types of situations. So. Uh, kudos to the team for for making that game what was going to look to be just a blowout you know boring one-sided game definitely cranked up the heat in that game and made it that's what we like about the wild card in the postseason it's supposed to be those trudge matches and that was that was that was an incredible win unfortunately it would uh come up short in the next round right they, they played the chiefs of course the eventual super bowl champions uh, in the divisional round, and it was a close game. The Jags played well, but they just had a few key plays at the end where things got things went wrong for them. Two turnovers inside the final six minutes, uh, and they only lost by a touchdown despite all that. So overall, you have to call it a very successful first season in charge for Peterson. You saw tremendous growth from Trevor Lawrence. He seems to be growing into the guy they hoped they were getting um, when they drafted him number one overall. And so this offseason... The big move was trading for Calvin Ridley, the young, or I don't know if he's still young anymore, but the wide receiver from the Falcons. Yeah. He's, uh, you know, he doesn't have that much mileage on him, hasn't played football the last couple of years. Um, but he was a first round pick by Atlanta back in 2018, was expected to be the heir apparent to Julio Jones. A lot of potential to be a real number one wide receiver. And he has been tearing it up in training camp. Looks every bit the guy they were hoping Four. And uh, so that was their biggest move of the offseason. Or I forget if that trade actually happened midseason, but he hasn't played for them yet. So he's a new player for the team. Right. Uh, they lost. Um, well, Marvin Jones went back to Detroit. He was a wide receiver for them last year. And then Jawan Taylor was the big one. Uh, their right tackle got signed to a big contract uh, by the Chiefs. They didn't do much in free agency. They brought in Brandon McManus kicker from the Broncos, which that actually could end up being a big deal. That guy's got a huge leg. Uh, and then Dearness Johnson. As much as we like to, you know, make fun of kickers, like how many games come down to that field goal that's make or break <laughs> mm-hmm. either for a divisional position or look at how many postseason victories are won by a field goal. Like, yeah. Or lost. <laughs> Remember Brett, Brett Maher <laughs> missing four extra points in the playoffs. Yeah, it's fine. It's a, uh, uh, and then the, typical Monday for them. It's fine. In the draft, they took in the first round with the 27th overall pick, Anton Harrison, offensive tackle, uh, presumably to try and replace Juwan Taylor. Um, Brenton Strange, the tight end from Penn State in the second. And uh, yeah, so that's basically their offseason in a nutshell. Looking at this offense, um, I would say... A big strength, obviously, is the quarterback position. Trevor Lawrence made a huge jump just looking at, I mean, you saw it with the eye test. You see it in the stats, too. He doubled his touchdown total from 12 to 25 and cut his interceptions in half from 17 as a rookie down to eight last year. Uh, and those don't include that wild card game. This is just regular season stats. Right. Uh, three fourth quarter comebacks, two game winning drives. And uh, yeah, starting to really look like the guy who will take this team to the next level. And now I think it's safe to say pass catchers are a strength for this team. Christian Kirk was their big offseason signing last year, and a lot of people questioned how much money they gave him. But he we questioned it. Yeah, we did. We did because he's mostly a slot guy, and they paid him 
number one wide receiver type of money. But he led the team with 84 catches, over 1,000 yards, and eight touchdowns. Um, Zay Jones, a cast off from the Raiders, he produced as well. And Evan Ingram at tight end managed to stay healthy and, and contribute as well. So now you throw in Calvin Ridley to this whole mix. It makes it seem a lot more contendable. Yeah. Like it's <clears throat> they can get a really good run game going to balance out all that passing opportunity. Like you've got a pretty dangerous offense that could repeat to take the division this year. Definitely. Yeah, the the one weakness potentially or or at least question mark is the offensive line. They lost to Juan Taylor, like we mentioned, and they're Starting tackle on the other side, Cam Robinson, is facing a PED suspension to start the year. And uh, that rookie they drafted in the first round played mostly left tackle in college. So could be end up being him over there, um, at least until Robinson comes back before they flip him over to right tackle to replace Taylor. But either way, some questions on the offensive line. But uh, the, the main question, at least for me, for this offense is how can Trevor Lawrence really make that next leap into the upper echelon of quarterbacks in the right league. you've got one year of improvement which everybody kind of jumps on and is like look at how amazing this could be it's like well hold on like there was a lot of changes you had a more experienced coach nfl coach that came in to kind of turn things around but the question is does it continue right. or does it become a one-off <clears throat> really we won't know until this year to kind of see do the jags start off a little slow but then pick it up at the end um, I would hope that they probably want to come out of the gate swinging because you never want to be playing from behind, especially in a division that could potentially have some other players in it. So yep. I would like to see them come out a little bit stronger. I would like to see Lawrence kind of be a little bit, a little bit more aggressive with with now with adding Calvin Ridley into the mix there. So I expect his numbers to jump up. But with that also comes the potential for more interceptions, right? You've got great pass catchers, but if you play a really good defense, you got to be able to read those coverages. So the stats are going to be interesting after this year with a second year with Peterson and some upgrades in the offense. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, on defense, just like on offense, kind of, there, were, uh, there was a lot of over a big overhaul that happened last offseason. A bunch of players came in, played pretty well. Uh, this isn't necessarily shown in the numbers, but there was some improvement throughout the year and some really good individual players like their safety, Rayshon Jenkins, um, Josh Allen at defensive end. When he wasn't playing quarterback for the Bills. Right. Not that one. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Part time player when he wasn't in Buffalo. And this group actually had 27 takeaways. That was third most in the league. Uh, the secondary in a whole was as a whole uh, was a big issue. Bottom five and pass defense last year. And they didn't really have money um, personnel changes this offseason. So they're kind of hoping for the continuity argument of taking things from one year to the next, another year in that scheme, and, and hoping the players just kind of play better and are naturally progress. All right, overall, what do you think about the Jags? They're, they've seemed to keep a lot together. They weren't. They weren't big players in the offseason, like we'd stated, with both offense and defense. They weren't spending a ton of money. They weren't being overly aggressive in the draft, drafting really crazy positions. Um, I think that, like you kind of pointed out, that they're kind of playing it to see, okay, we spent a year together. There was some success. There was growth. Can we do it again? 
And I think this will also help everyone determine where do we need to draft. So let's say the offense continues to grow, but the defense starts to fall behind again. And your, your secondary is in the bottom five again. That tells me that you need to focus either in the draft or in free agency on upgrading your safeties and your cornerbacks to try to help the back end of there. Likewise, what what's the what's the pressure like up front? Are your front five or your front seven getting the job done? Are they getting pressure on opposing quarterbacks? I'd say it's like it's hard to say. Like a B is pretty good, but they didn't do a lot. So the question really is just can they at least repeat what they did last year? Um yeah. So B B minus, I'm I'm kind of in there. I kind of see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I had their roster graded at a B. Um, I think they're probably division favorites again, which might not be saying a lot given the state of some of the other teams we're about to talk about. But, um, yeah, I think you're right. They're just mostly counting on things progressing even more uh, from year one with Peterson to year two. And I think especially the defense will need to hold up their end of the bargain if this team will be successful. All right. That being said, let's move on to one of those other division rivals, the Tennessee Titans. And I'm going to scooch over so you can see. That's not that bad. <laughs> no, this was one of the better ones. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit of shading in there and you would have been fine. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> the Titans. I like how you got the fancy, like, T in there, too, where kind of, like, the corners, right, the right, edges of the T sort of mm-hmm. spiked down a little bit. Like, so, I was I was impressed. Okay. What you could have done here to really confuse the younger people is you could have drawn the old oil rig that they had. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, what is that? That's not the Titans. Mm-hmm. You're right. <laughs> Back in they, my day. They were the Oilers. <laughs> All right, the Titans are seven and ten last year, good for second place in the AFC South. Seven and ten, and they were second place. <laughs> Just a game or <laughs> two. Tell you how rough this division was. It was, it was rough, um, but it's going to get rougher. Notice these teams are in um, order of the standings, so we're <laughs> moving down. But the Titans had a brutal passing game, thirtieth ranked, just 170 yards per game through the air. No surprise behind Derrick Henry. They averaged 125 on the ground per game, which was 13th. Um, but they, they had trouble scoring just 17.5 points per game, which was 28th in the league. Run defense was great. Pass defense was awful. <laughs> and that's what you need to know about that side of the ball. <laughs> this team, <clears throat> I didn't actually remember this. They were 7-3 and three at, in, through 10 weeks of the season. They were the sitting atop pretty <clears throat> heavily at the top of the division and like they were favorites for postseason like potential contenders again and then it just it was like just brutal all of a sudden like the whole season just yeah. flipped you figured they had to lose then the last seven games in a row mm-hmm. and you know Tannehill got hurt there was some stuff that happened that was just luck or bad luck um, but yes, in that seven-game losing streak, they closed out the season. They only scored more than 20 points one time. They got swept by the Jags, including the Week 18 loss that I think sealed the division um, in in Jacksonville's favor. So in this offseason, they they lost a couple players uh, to free agency. Nate Davis, their gu- offensive guard, uh, Demarcus Walker, defensive end, both went to the Bears. David Long, their linebacker, to the Dolphins. And then Bud Dupree, outside linebacker, went to Atlanta. 
they brought in Andre Dillard, left tackle from the Eagles, Arden Key, outside linebacker from the Jags, and then DeAndre Hopkins, who was with the Cardinals and was with on no team for a while this summer, but they eventually signed her to a two-year deal worth, I think, around $20 million. So a pretty quiet offseason up until that moment when they brought in Hopkins. <clears throat> In the draft, you know, wherever he went, he was going to make a splash. So everyone was just waiting to see where he was going to wind up. Mm -hmm. And then in the draft, uh, with the 11th pick, they took Peter Skaronsky, offensive lineman out of Northwestern. And then the the more potentially more interesting pick, Will Levis, with the first pick of the second round, uh, quarterback out of Kentucky. So uh, before we talk more about him, let's go through this offense. Uh, Obviously, Derrick Henry. Everything pretty much starts and ends with him for this offense. Quietly, kind of quietly, because the team fell apart around him. But he had another dominant year uh, last year as the team, or as he had 1,900 all-purpose yards, 13 touchdowns, just Derrick Henry casually being a monster. Derrick Henry. Yep. yep. <laughs> Big weakness uh, is, is still, well, okay, this is written pre-Hopkins, but... I still think there's an argument to be made that the pass catchers is still a weakness of this team. Uh, they've got Traylon Burks, who was a first-round pick uh, the previous year. So he's coming into year two. He was, that was the A.J. Brown trade. <laughs> they traded right. A.J. Brown in the middle of the 2022 draft uh, and took Burks. <clears throat> and uh, so, yeah, he's coming into year two. He only played in 11 games last year, catching 33 passes, just one touchdown. This hilarious stat that we already discussed uh, privately, but before this is signing, just crazy before, when you think about it. Before signing DeAndre Hopkins, the Titans head coach Mike Vrabel, who, in case you don't remember, was a linebacker <laughs> in it for Vrabel the Patriots. More, more receiving touchdowns, receiving touchdowns than anyone else on the roster. <laughs> just crazy. How do you have a linebacker have more receiving touchdowns than <laughs> than an entire team of actual receivers <laughs> whose job is to run and catch? Like exactly, uh, that's that illustrates the point well enough, I think, right there. But now they bring in Hopkins, so whoever the quarterback is going to be. <laughs> and I think the problem too is the the questions start to run on: Is it the wide receiver room or is it the quarterback? Because right. Tannehill was was. Solid, like he was doing what he needed to, which wasn't a lot when the offense goes through Derrick Henry. But the whole point of still needing a quarterback is you could argue then what's the point of putting a quarterback on the field if the offense goes through Henry? But what you need is in those situations to be able to balance the run in the pass is he may not have to do a ton, but he's still got to be able to make plays. Now is it the fact that the wide receiver room just doesn't have a lot of talent behind it because everything kind of went through A.J. Brown? Or is it the fact that your your quarterback just is not playing to the level he needs to be? Because I would put Tannehill and Cousins kind of in that sphere of they're not really well-liked, but they're solid. They kind of do their job. And last season, I think, just put more heat to that fire of – is Tannehill worth keeping around? Plus there was the comments of he wouldn't, you know, train or help out his backup and all that stuff. It was either last year or the year before. Mm -hmm. So it just, it brings more questions into why isn't that offense clicking better than it should? Yeah. And I think you've segued us nicely into uh, what my biggest question is for this offense. And it is the quarterback position off season rumors of Tannehill potentially being a candidate to cut. 
but he's still on the roster. Looks like he's in line to start, despite now the team has drafted a quarterback in two consecutive drafts, Malik Willis in the third round last year, and now Will Levis in the second. Um, I looked at Tannehill's contract. He's got a couple years left, but the team can cut him very cheaply after this season. So I wonder if they view this as like one more chance with him slash maybe a transition year where one of the rookies takes over at some point. Uh, and then, you know, they, they release Tannehill after the season. Uh, like I mentioned, he was kind of brutal last year, but also hurt. So not totally his fault. Yeah. And I think that leads into the fact of can Derek Henry continue to hold up? Like he's had three healthy seasons. He missed eight games in 2021. Uh, but he leads the league in rushing attempts year after year. I mean, you got to figure it seems like 50% of the plays go through him, if not 75%. I mean, he's literally carried the offense like his entire career with that team. He turns 29, um, which we consider that the magic number for running backs. It's kind of that... They're right on the cusp. Like, it's not old in terms of human years, but, like, the wear and tear a running back takes on the team, which has been kind of what this whole Zoom call and yeah. and and salary debate has been about is it's the most abused. Next to linemen, you are constantly hit on every single play, even if you don't have the ball, because typically you're blocking. And you're not blocking a small, you know, safety you're typically taking an edge rusher or a linebacker and throwing just a chop in front of them to slow them down so can he continue and every year we kind of say i can't happen and he does it (laughs) but i do believe it's not something that can be kept consistency no matter how good you take care of yourself and i think for henry in particular it's relevant because he's one of the last few real bell cow backs who takes you know whatever it is, 80, 85% of all the team's running back touches. This, uh, everything runs through Henry here. They don't have a committee. This is one of the few places. Um, and then the last thing I had on the offense is they have a new offensive coordinator, Tim Kelly, who was the passing game coordinator last year. So see if that shakes things up at all. Uh, on defense, this is the, the stronger side of the ball, you could argue, especially the front seven. It was the best run defense in the league last year and should still be strong, uh, even though they did lose a few pieces in agency uh, and then Kevin Byard is a, a star at the safety position led the team in tackles with 108 and had four interceptions as well the rest of the secondary is pretty questionable and not much has changed so it's you know how are you going to expect different level of production but it's kind of uh, like the definition of insanity just repeating right. the same thing year after year miraculously so, you're not getting different results Look at the Packers' defense, case in point. <laughs> That's for another day, though. The uh, So besides that, my other question is is about the pass rush. No one on the team had more than eight sacks last year, which if you remember the Eagles had four players with more than ten. No one even had eight on this team. Uh, they were bottom of the half, bottom half of the league in QB pressures, and, and they got rid of Bud Dupree, not that he was doing much anyway these days. Um, so yeah, <clears throat> overall, I think the defense should be solid for this team and Henry's still a monster, assuming he can stay healthy. Uh, but yeah, I'm very concerned and also very interested to see what happens with the passing offense uh, with the quarterback play and also the offensive line and <laughs> receiver questions. So maybe this is even too high for them, but I have them at a B minus just slightly behind the Jaguars in terms of roster grade. What do you think? I'm going with a, a mid C. 
because they haven't made a ton of improvements. They've kept a lot of the same pieces. They've added Hopkins, which uh, a lot of the fantasy analysts are like very wary about taking him in fantasy because everyone's like, oh, with them, he's going to get a ton of passes and stuff. It's all going to like blow up. He's going to see the numbers. And it's like when you look at what the team does in general, they're not a pass-heavy team. They're still, like you said, one of the few bell-back type of teams that runs first and then passes. Um, so I still have like you, I still have questions at receiver because adding one person typically does not explode the offense into the, all of a sudden the star studded forum, uh, at the same time, you know, is Henry going to keep being able to perform? And more importantly, can the defense keep them in the game? This is a phrase that I've said a lot of offense put you in the game but the defense has to keep you in it and so far they haven't really addressed a ton of stuff on defense to make me feel comfortable that they are going to be able to keep them in the game at least to the point where they could take on Jacksonville because really I think the division is going to come down to Jacksonville and the Titans um, unless something miraculous happens in Houston but uh or if something miraculous happens in our next team. <laughs> what could Colts. that next team be? Uh, the Colts, third place in the division with a 4-12 and 12 and 1 record. Uh, offensive numbers, very bad. Uh, the defense was kind of average, but they allowed the 29th. Or they were, the, let's see, what would that be? The third, fourth worst defense. Oh, nice. Forgot the, the picture time. Pretty good. <laughs> See, I even got the little white circles on there. I'm. This was this was top tier. This was like <laughs> It'd be pretty easy. This was, but <laughs> it was tenth grade, Michael. <laughs> but yeah, overall, this was a terrible team. They started with a twenty to twenty week one tie against Houston, who were expected to be and were one of the worst teams in the league. Uh, didn't get much better outside of a really confusing week three win over the Chiefs of all people. <laughs> This is when everyone thought the Chiefs were done. And like, uh, right. And like, like, oh, you lost I, to the Colts? <laughs> yeah. Like, I think even you said whoever loses to the Colts just sucks. And it's like, well, they did go on to win the Super Bowl. So I don't know if that's uh, entirely pan out. Uh, maybe that means everybody's the, allowed one. <laughs> I mean, the yeah. Does I mean, the Colts are good, but no, that is not what it meant. I mean, injuries, to be fair, definitely played a part in how bad things got. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, their stud running back, missed six games. Shaq Leonard, their middle linebacker, their leader of the defense, only played three games. And after a disappointing 3-5-1 and one start to the season. This is they, where Indy went off the rails. They fired and nothing Frank made sense anymore. Resulting in the dark days of Jeff Saturday. <laughs> and as you can see uh, from the record, they were 3-5-1 and one when they fired Frank Reich. They only won one game the rest of the season which was two less than the current record. So, you know, All right, that's on. not how that's supposed to work. Jeff Saturday. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's see what happened when he was in charge. They blew the biggest ha- biggest lead of all time against the Vikings. Uh, when they were up 33 to nothing at halftime, only to lose it in overtime. Uh, part of a seven-game losing streak they ended the season on. And uh, I just want to say, pour one out for Matt Ryan. If, if this is how it ends for him, that is uh, 
pretty sad. The Colts can continue, if that is how it ends for them, they continue a run of bringing in old QBs for one last go around. Uh, it started with Philip Rivers, then Carson Wentz, who isn't that old, but probably his career is over. <laughs> and now Matt Ryan. But it's weird, though, because on Instagram, since I follow all the teams, Matt Ryan has been back at the Falcons facility. Oh. Um, with the comments saying that once a Falcon, always a Falcon. So, like, he's been he's been there. Not saying that that's going to lead to anything, but I believe his family and his wife and kids and stuff are still in Atlanta. So, hmm. oh, I don't know. Maybe they'll do like a lot of players do. They'll sign him if he's going to retire for a day so yeah, that he can retire as a Falcon. Yeah. One day At least go out with some dignity because, unfortunately, Indy was not it. Um, but it's a new era now. They hired as a new head coach, former Philly offensive coordinator Shane Steichen. And uh, prior to being with Philly, he was the offensive coordinator in L.A. with Justin Herbert from 2020 to 2021. Um, hired by Nick Sirianni for that same role with the Eagles starting starting in 2021. And now he is a head coach. And for the uh, yeah, in free agency, they lost a couple of important players for this defense Bobby Okereke linebacker uh, he was really productive for the Colts second on the team with 151 tackles six tackles for a loss and even five pass deflections pretty good for a linebacker but he's gone and uh, Brandon fancy son I'm gonna call him I know that's not even what that says but <laughs> making that up right now uh, it was just a part-time player in the secondary anyway they brought in Samsung Samsung Nibukum defensive end Matt Gay, kicker, yeah, Gardner Minshew. Oh, there's another one. Poor Gardner. From the- well, welcome to where quarterbacks go to die. <laughs> uh, Isaiah McKenzie, just as uh, depth for their receiving core, and then same with Rashad Perryman. So they brought in some players. Uh, but the biggest thing that happened for them this offseason was taking Anthony Richardson, fourth overall quarterback out of Florida, the new face of the franchise. In the second round, they came back with the 44th overall pick and took Juju Brents, uh, cornerback from Kansas State. So uh, let's talk about this offense then. In terms of strengths, I think, um, you know, let's not let one injury plague season make us forget how good Jonathan Taylor is, assuming he plays for them, of course. (laughs) They're feuding right now. Uh, he wants a new contract like many other running backs, like he said. I think he was on the Zoom call. There have been some very... Bizarre comments made by Jim Ursay, the owner. And uh, yeah, so I don't know what's going to happen there, but we do know Taylor's a great player when he's on the field. Hopefully they can work it out uh, so that he will be there starting week one. It's about all I could come up with in terms of definitive strengths for this team. The weakness, I think, uh, wide receiver core is the first one that jumps to mind. Gets thin very fast after the number one guy, Michael Pittman. Uh, Alec Pierce was a rookie last year. He's kind of he's okay as a, a deep threat down the field, but not much else. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie is a nice addition to play the slot, um, but there's no other really dominant guy here in this in this receiving core. No. And I, I feel like in terms of question marks, the offensive line has to be one. They were this was the lifeblood of the team as recently as what two or three years ago, and they still have yeah, some. Yeah, like two players. years ago, it was like the number one line in the league. Rival that with Philly, and they went into last year like, all right, they upgraded at quarterback. They got a veteran in Matt Ryan. We figured between the run game 
and Ryan having some semblance of receivers around him, like they could have made some stuff work. And it just never came to fruition. I mean, you know, he went down with some injuries and Ryan just looked like, I hate to say it, he just looked washed. Like there was just no saving for what that team could do. I don't think firing Frank Reich was the greatest move. Clearly, it didn't work in terms of long one. They could have rode out the season and probably had a better record. Well, but then they wouldn't have had the number four pick. It was all part of the plan. <laughs> oh, we'll get to the plan when we get to the Texans. <laughs> the plan. Oh, yes. Um, but, yeah, so offensive line is a big question. But the, the real big question is quarterback. Will Richardson start right away? Um, coming into the draft, he was widely regarded as the guy who will need more time to develop compared to some of the other guys. Um, but also his dual threat nature makes him a really dynamic player. And uh, Steichen, of course, has a history with at least one notable mobile QB in Philly. Uh, so I think I'm a little biased for some reason, but I think Gardner Minshew is really solid if they want to let him play out like half the season before they throw Richardson in. I think that would make sense. This is one of the teams that I think preseason is going to be really helpful. For. Yeah, I cannot wait. Because yeah. <laughs> you want to see what what basis, what's the baseline for Richardson, right? Like, where is he at in terms of, you can have the football IQ, you can understand the playbook. You're, you're scrimmaging against one other team typically in, in training camps. Right. But you're really starting to face more of the teams determine like their 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 starting guys going into that in preseason and if you're going to make a bunch of mistakes preseason is the time to do it because the games really don't matter unless you're the ravens um (laughs) so it's going to be it's one of the teams that i would say would be more interesting to watch kind of who is getting more of the playing time are we seeing Minshew? running with the first rounders a little bit more Mm -hmm. and then seeing um, Richardson come in a little bit more. Is it balanced? Um, Is Richardson getting a little bit more time than Minshew? Not that that's going to end up meaning anything. It could be just an experience game, but it leads it to be really interesting on how that could play out. Um, You know, Minshew has always done well when he's been in role you know, he may not be a full-time, full-time starter, but he's a solid sort of plug-and-play type quarterback. He's done fine. But receiving core isn't really quarterback-friendly right now either. So if the offensive line seems to be able to hold its own like it did a couple of years ago and Jonathan Taylor's back on the field and everything's kind of in sync with that, I have no problem with Richardson starting. I think that they need a fresh face. They've gone through these sort of veteran quarterbacks in the twilight years of their career, and it hasn't worked. So what could really go wrong by putting a fresh face in that? Sorry, I dipped out for a second. Did you talk defense yet? No, I was rattling on about <laughs> the you. offense. Thank you. All right. Strengths. Linebacker's good. Shaq Leonard, healthy, at least for now. I was uh, waiting for the strength. Linebacker, good. Weakness. <laughs> Everything else. <laughs> yeah, most of the secondary hasn't played up to par lately, um, so that's an issue. Of course, they drafted Juju Brents in the second round, slotted into start at corner, um, and so his adapt and adaptation to the NFL, how quickly he can kind of acclimate, that'll be very important, I think, to the scene as a whole, how he deals with opposing teams, number one receiver, assuming he takes on the 
you know, the number one role. Um, but outside of him, can their other established players stay healthy this year? That'll be huge for this defense because they had so many injuries last year. Well, just for the team in general, it's not just the defense, but mm-hmm. if you lose any of your offensive line or, God forbid, Jonathan Taylor goes down or doesn't play, yeah. your offense shrinks just as much as your defense. I mean, I haven't looked at the depth chart, but they have depth, but it doesn't feel like it. It feels like this is one of those teams that one or two key players go uh-huh. down and the entire team just starts to unravel before your eyes. Yeah, And it's not supposed to be like that. They're supposed to struggle. You know, that's your starting guys going down, but it should fall apart to losing a 33-point lead over a team. <laughs> so angry about that game. I Putting a former center as your freaking head coach. I don't even remember why that game made me so angry. I think I had Matt Ryan in fantasy, and I was playing him for some reason, and I was like, come on, don't just run the ball. Keep, keep throwing, keep throwing. You're going to lose this game. And then they did, of course. It's like, see, you should have given me more fantasy points. That's what you get. <laughs> anyway, uh, overall, the, the Colts are kind of exciting for the first time in a while. Maybe since Andrew Luck retired. <laughs> not necessarily. I like how we still talk about it. This is shows you the impact of one player. It's not supposed to happen like this, but like Luck retires and this entire team has just like <laughs> <laughs> the whole franchise. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. He was so great. Uh, he could still be playing today, which is the craziest part. Um, but anyway, <laughs> Colts are kind of exciting again for the first time in a while uh, with Richardson. And I think they'll be fun to watch, at least uh, once he starts playing. Not necessarily expecting a lot of wins, but uh, they'll be fun, I think. But I've got them at a B. I do think they're better than the Titans. So our, I think our annual Colts-Titans debate will be for second place in the division this year, not first. <laughs> yeah, we've got this weird thing that between the Titans and the Colts, between the two of us, I don't know what it is. Because I don't think the Colts have done nearly, like, they're like the Titans, but they're worse. <laughs> but like, they're, they didn't do a whole lot to address a lot of problems, it seems like, other than potentially quarterback. But like you said, Richardson was labeled at least as one of the ones that needs more time to develop compared to some of the other guys. Yeah. But then you have the weird situation with Tannehill. You have Malik Willis. That's still in that mix somehow. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe a B is too generous. They're, they're, they're probably more of a B minus C plus kind of team, but uh, I'm yeah. going with a C. We're in any C case, where this team lands, the, uh, well, the team that landed at the bottom of the division last year, the Houston Texans, and our final team in this division uh, breakdown, the Houston Texans were three and thirteen and one last year. I'm um, good for. Oh yeah, there it is. I don't know what that is. Well, you can't see the whole thing. It's a little bit too zoomed in. Look, I got the star right, blue and red. I guess the horns are pointing down instead of up, but you know. <laughs> It's a very sad bull. Well, this is a very sad, sad because this team was absolute. This this is a very sad travesty. <laughs> I would say it's fitting. Um, yeah, this they had the 31st ranked offense last year, 30th ranked defense. Just everything was bad. Uh, Lovey Smith as a head coach, his head coaching return to the NFL was as brief as it was. This does not feel like a setup though. Not that I'm defending because Lovey was decent in Chicago. That was the last time Chicago was decent was under Lovey Smith. Mm-hmm. 
other than the one-off season with what was it, Matt Nagy? I think the first year Matt Nagy was head coach, right. like they had a really right. good season. Double doink game, yeah, never forget. Um, but this felt like a setup because this guy came in. I mean, I get it. He agreed to this, right? No roster whatsoever. There was yeah. nothing notable about this team anymore. So you're basically being given a losing season, which is why I made the comment earlier about being set up. Like, right, it's winning the last two games yeah. to deny the overall. Like, I felt like he knew he was gone. And as a final thank you for setting me up to failure. I'm going to deny you the one thing that at that point, everyone was looking forward to. That's what I would do. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Amazing how they, um, yeah, the last game of the season, they won on a last second touchdown and two point conversion, which if that's not him sending a message, you're right. I, I don't know what is. <laughs> Cause obviously you could go for one and tie it and then like lose in overtime. It's like, Oh, or just man, have we were so close. Have him, yeah. Go for two and just have him take a knee and lose, you know, lose. <laughs> uh, but nope, they, they won. And his, he gives his final gift to the bears, <laughs> his old team, the number one pick. <laughs> and they fired him like five minutes after the game. Um, and then in the offseason, the the new coach, D'Amico Ryans, formerly the 49ers defensive coordinator. Uh, he actually played for the Texans, which I didn't really recall, but I remember him mostly with the Eagles. But, yeah, as you pointed out, I think on our last show, he was actually um, drafted by Houston with a second-round pick back in 2006. And he's been the defensive coach. He's been a defensive coach for San Francisco for the last five years. Promoted to coordinator after Robert Sala left for the Jets. Okay, I'm back. Sorry about that. <laughs> so making it through division. one division today. Know. You know that, right? Uh, maybe tomorrow we can do the other one. Maybe by like mid-season we'll be done with these. <laughs> our two previous. All right, welcome to our our NFC North recap as well as our Week 16 preview. <laughs> Yes. Oh, it's perfect. <laughs> Conveniently, they're both the NFC North teams we're recapping this week. <laughs> it's fine. Anyway, yes. Um, so, D'Amico Ryans is in. They sent away Brandon Cooks. It would be a trade to the Cowboys. Uh, he didn't want to be there. wasn't playing anyway. <laughs> they didn't really lose any notable players. Cause, well, they don't have that many notable players. I was going to say... <laughs> They brought in a handful of players, though, in free agency that have been. Ex- yeah, They're like, at least decent stock. I wouldn't call yeah. them top tier, but they oh. have value. Mm-hmm. Robert and- Woods, Jimmy Ward, Sheldon Rankins, Dalton Schultz, Devin Singletary. Just like a bunch of guys. Solid NFL starters, I would say. Um, and then in the draft, they took C.J. Stroud, QB, out of the Ohio State with a second overall pick. Then in a stunning move, they traded back up to with, to get the number three overall pick, two and use that on Will Anderson Jr., edge rusher from Alabama. And then with this in the second round, with the 62nd overall pick, they took Juice Scruggs, center out of Penn State. This is what I like to see in a team. This is a balanced draft. They address <laughs> both sides because both sides had problems. Green Bay could take a note <laughs> in that you address all positions. Mm. Um And it really, as much as I didn't want to see my guy go to a team that was absolute trash last year, (laughs) I feel like 
maybe that they're on to something. Like you said, they acquired a handful of players. They're not going to be, you know, the first names that roll off your tongue, but Dalton Schultz is a solid tight end. Mm-hmm. Singletary's worked great as a running back. Yeah. Woods was great in, in LA. Right. It hasn't been that long since he was really good. Mm-hmm. So they've got support. They're addressing the defense, but, you know, they got Damian Pierce, which right. was the one thing that actually seemed to work on that team. Yep. Damian Pierce is incredible. He had, um, just because I wrote it down, I've got it right here. The running back, Damian Pierce, was a rookie last year, had over 1,000 all-purpose yards and five touchdowns. Is really the only player of note on this terrible, terrible offense. And, yeah, they had Devin Singletary, so I would say the running back room is a strength now. And, and maybe offensive line? I mean, Laramie Tunsil is good at left tackle. They, I forget how they did. They trade for or just sign Shaq Mason at right guard. Uh, Kenyon Green was their first round pick last year at left guard. So who should improve? And so if this guy they took this year, Scruggs, uh, proves worthy of a second round pick, it could be a solid O line, which would be great for Stroud. Uh, like you said, Woods is solid. Schultz is solid as a pass catching tight end, but. Those are the top weapons in this passing game, which is kind of rough. They're betting on one of the young guys to take a big step forward, and that would be like Nico Collins was a guy they drafted a few years ago, John Mechie. Um, So, you know, not household names by any stretch, but they're guys that if one of them does take a big leap forward could end up being Stroud's top target. Right. And uh, I think it's a foregone conclusion that he'll be the starter week one Stroud so that's my biggest question is no one's expecting this team to do much of anything, but, but what is a realistic hope or expectation for Stroud in, in this environment as a rookie survive? I mean, even if the line is decent, like he has very few options to throw to, it's going to go through the run game most likely to take some of the pressure off. But I think it's, it's just a matter of when you get quarterbacks in these situations, like you don't want to destroy their confidence by putting them in terrible situations. But this team kind of doesn't have a choice. They could fall back on David Mills. It's a possibility. I don't see it likely given what they've paid for to get Stroud. Um, and really, it just requires, I think, more than anything, the defense to give them opportunities. You know, they brought in a defensive-minded head coach where – the more opportunities you can give a young quarterback, you gain that much experience quicker, right? So if you can force two to three turnovers a game, which is a lot, but ideally if you can put that the ball in their hands that many more times, yes, you're you're amplifying the opportunity for mistakes, but you're also putting them in situations that sometimes are shorter fields, right? So an easy turnover on a first down on a possession gives them a short field, gives them more likely to get those points to, to build the confidence a little bit quicker. Yeah, or not even turnovers. Just can If the defense can keep them in games so that every game isn't like a 40 to nothing blowout in the third quarter, you know, that'll give them much better, you know, real game experience. So I think that's kind of what I look for is just, just survive if you're going to start the first year. Just do what you can. Don't do too much. I think a lot of these young rookies want to come in and make their name, and they try to do too much, and it's like, let Damian Pierce and your running backs kind of take it. If, you know, like you hear the coaches say, if you see something in the field, obviously take it, but don't do too much. Don't be trying to run around the field and, and do too much because you're only going to put yourself in worse situations. 
the NFL is a lot faster than college. So these guys are bigger, but they're a hell of a lot faster. And I think that's one thing all rookies struggle with is they don't realize the 350 pound guy in college moves at one speed, but now he's got a second or third gear when it comes to the NFL. Yeah. So true. Um, all right. Yeah. <clears throat> so on that defense, really interesting mix of veteran kind of journeyman players, plus some high draft picks. Um, yeah, they were the worst run defense in the league last year, but they signed a bunch of guys to throw into that front seven, see if it works. Uh, no surprise, they were also bottom half of the league in, in pressure rate last year at just 20%. If Will Anderson can make a quick impact, um, like they'll be hoping for, given he was drafted third overall, could be a huge thing for this unit. If getting pressure makes everybody look better on that defense. And now they've got a defensive, well, I guess you could argue Lovey Smith was defensive-minded too, but I think D'Amico Ryans, he could look at it as an upgrade as a coach, hopefully, even though he's never done it before. So maybe that's not something. But they also have added actual pieces as composed to Lovey didn't have even half of what Ryans is getting. Yeah, that is true. So, uh, And I am proud of you for using a very big word here because you're oh. – your question here to prompt discussion is what can D'Amico Ryan's get out of this amalgamation of players? I'm very proud of you. That is a very big word. Thank you. I wasn't even going to say it, but uh, I did write it. I do know it. I know that word <laughs> from my word of the day calendar. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't think we can expect too much from the Texans this year. Um, like you said, could, yeah, hopefully Stroud can survive <laughs> in make it out of the season in one piece and not have either his body or his confidence get completely shattered. Um, I think they'll be more solid defensively and, and hopefully that will mean more competitive games and really good experience for their rookie quarterback and young group of pass catchers. Um, I would say around week four, we should start to see some of this stuff start to gel. I don't expect the first few weeks to be great. I mean, there could be that one-off surprise. Oh, I forgot. Um, Oh, I despise you so much. Um, you know, there could be a one-off like surprise game, like when the Colts beat the Chiefs, right? Like one yeah. of those type of situations. But you have, and I think amalgamation is the right word. You just have this weird group of players. They're almost like all misfits. Like they yeah. did okay with their team, but now it's like just ship them all to Texas. Like, I don't know what that says. You what D'Amico Ryan's can do with them. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, D'Amico, do you want some players? We're not sure what you're going to do with them, but we got some, and they're cheap. Yeah, another why team, not? Another team I can't wait to watch in preseason. That's that's just going to be fun, watching Stroud and his young receivers. Um, I've got their roster at a C-. minus. The I think that's, that's fitting. I think they did add some players to there, yeah. more than I would say Tennessee and uh -huh. uh, Indy did in terms of just not high value, but value nonetheless to a team that had no value. So you could argue anybody is an improvement. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I really think it's going to come down to getting the defensive side squared away to, like you said, put them in better game situations as opposed to the offense getting blown out week after week and just nobody can get them in. Like right. Stroud can put up 28 points, which is phenomenal on average, but then you're losing 35, 37, you know, Right. You're losing by two touchdowns because the defense just cannot get their act together. Yep. So I, I C minus is fair for this. Okay. And that's all for this division. Um, 
overall going to be a super interesting one. We got two first round rookies presumed to start one more second rounder potentially waiting in the wings. Uh, and those competing with the defending champion Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence, who's on his way to the stars. Um, so let's to stardom <laughs> to being a just, superstar. Just stop. Just just stop. Stop right there. And uh, yeah, check us out next time. Our next division will be the AFC East. And uh, we'll see how many pages of notes I have on that one. Talk to you then. See you, everybody. Thank you for listening to the 2M Football Podcast with Matt and Mike. Don't forget to follow us on our social media, both Twitter and Instagram. Look for our photo at 2M Football Show. If you like what you heard, Please tell your friends, family, and others who may be interested in listening to all of our shenanigans. And remember, we will see you next week on the Gridiron.